Thanks, Uncle. Um, our next speaker will be um, Uncle Marshall Bell. Uh, yeah, Uncle Marshall Bell. First of all, I want to recognise the uh, land that we stand on, the uh, people, the original owners of this country, uh, pay respects to them, uh, to their elders who have fallen in the past and those that are with us still today. There's so much that I wanted to talk to you about today, but where's that cocoa? And then Mark, and then they shut all my time, so I feel obligated to only talk for a short while. But I have um, a different different perspective of, from where they're coming from, because rather than tell you anything, I've got a lot of questions to ask. Um, and I'll get, get to those in a minute. But to give you a bit of an idea of who I am, I'm, uh, uh, my mother is Camilleroy. Uh, she has a matriarchal line going back to the first woman put on this earth as a Camilleroy person. And her father is Kuma. My father. He's both human and grand grand. So when you look at sovereignty, when we look at sovereignty, I guess I'm a quadruple owner of sovereign rights, where I can claim each one of those as being a part of my rights. But I wanted to talk to you about uh, my perspective of where I'm coming from. See, I've, I've had a long interest in inland rights going back to the, the 60s and 70s. I've seen the, the referendum come in and what it meant for us, for us who was living in the bush, in a tin shack, no electricity, dirt floors, buy our water from a water cart, that sort of thing, where they sort of said, oh, you can move into town now and rent a house. So, of course, within a couple of years, we were living in town. And then, through the 70s, became a call for, a very strong call for land rights throughout the country. And we saw a number of marches and protests and the raising of that issue throughout Australia. You know, I was a young follower in high school at those times and I used to write all over my books, you know, land rights, land rights, land rights now, you know. Um, and so my interest was sparked from there. Um, 
It was a time living here under Jobiok Peterson, and it was it was terrible. It was like a psychological war on us, on us as people who was living in this state. It was unbearable for us, you know, and we did have to go in the state to escape that sort of mental torture. And luckily, the destination that we chose was uh, Redford. And it was, it was different to what it is today or what you see on TV as Redford now. There was a lot of black fellas down there who, who was seeking each other's company. Uh, you know, like for their own spiritual well-being, their own intellectual growth in understanding their Aboriginality, understanding land rights and coming together in a community like that. I remember at that time the, the calls for land rights and it was around about that time that um, the New South Wales land rights legislation was introduced and the model that it used and looked at. But one of the other things while that was going on, my brother was working at the uh, Sydney Legal Service and one of his roles was to convene the first ever national conference for legal services nationally. And one of the, the main issues that they wanted to come together around one issue, one court case that they could use and push and support. Can you turn this up? Well, I've got to get closer. Oh, all right, all right, all right. All right. Anyway, uh, so they had to decide which court case they would support. And if I remember rightly, that court case was uh, Eddie Marbo's case. So through my brother and through the legal service, I got an understanding of what uh, that court case was about. And I didn't hear a lot about it for a long time. In the, in the meantime, Goss had come, come to Queensland, been elected in Queensland and introduced uh, a land rights legislation that has been absolutely useless to us. I don't think that uh, uh, people south of the, tro the tropical cancer have received over a hundred acres of land under that legislation. Not long after that, there was the uh, Marbo case. So having an understanding of who Eddie was and what he was fighting for, I became interested in it. Then there was meetings, you know, take place to develop what was going to go into that legislation. I remember going up to one out, up at uh, outside of Catherine called Eva Valley, and there, it was a big meeting. There was all them mob there, you know, Patrick and Mick Dodson and Gulleroy Unipingu and Charlie Perkins and Michael Mansell and a whole host of them, but also uh, there was um, 
Billy Craigie and Isabel had, had driven up from uh, Sydney to attend it. And at that meeting, uh, and you can ask Michael Mansell this, uh, Billy Craigie got up and said, look, you're trying to make a law for native title. I want sovereignty in it. Mick Dodson got up, up to his feet in a very, you know, if you know Mick Dodson, he goes, well, if you put sovereignty into this, then I'm going to just walk away. As if to say, you know, no way, we're not going to go uh, support sovereignty. And just lucky Michael Mansell was there because he jumped on his feet and he said, hey, listen, Mick, don't threaten me, don't threaten us. Just get up and walk. <laughs> you know? And so the issue of sovereignty was implanted within everybody's mind there. And those people who sold out, and you heard from Coco who some of them people were, signed the native title legislation in, in this, into law. They've all they all knew about sovereignty, what it meant for us. They've all swept it under the carpet. In the meantime, being somebody who knows what, un who understands what land rights is, what native title is, and what sovereignty is, I've been involved in native title stuff, you know, where people have come to me and they've said to me, listen, these, this company over here, they got these people walk, walking the line and they're not even from country. And that's our country. Can you help us be involved in those cultural heritage studies? And I said, oh, look, the only way you're going to be involved in it is have a native title claim put in. And they had a right to negotiate deadline that was closing on the, the Tuesday. They come to me on the Thursday and I said, well, we'll have to do a native title claim over the weekend. And this was just after Howard had changed all the legislation and stuff like that and said, you know, we're making it harder for all you blackfellas to get registered to be involved in any right to negotiate. So, me, I took it as a personal challenge. You know, Howard saying to me, you're too, you're too dumb nigger to be able to understand this to pass all the new rules that we put in place. So, the old followers, they said, yeah, let's just get our mobs together and do it. So, over the weekend we wrote up our their native title claim and got it registered within the time period, you know. So that native title claim wasn't written to win native title. It was written so they could be involved in work on their country, be involved with mining companies who wanted to work on their country rather than getting people from outside their country to work on their country as Aboriginal people who could sign off on, on a project.
So, in that process of, of, of seeing firsthand the real failings of native title, and you can take it from me, that native title is the worst piece of legislation going. It is absolutely terrible. It will set family against family. It will, it will divide and, and actually conquer people, you know? And it will, it will put resources in, in the hands of some and yet deny the same right to other people, you know? It's terrible. It, it, it's terrible. The whole process of native title going through it, where at the end of the day, you've got an anthropologist saying, oh, well, you come from country, but you don't come from country. But they've been there in, in country all the, all the time. So we've got white fellows saying, what's that? Oh, you're going to chart my time too, baby. Anyway, anyway, so, so the question, so brings me to the questions, you know, and I'll be quick as I can, but I'm, I'm interested in sovereignty from a different perspective, you know. I'm not worried about Mark or, or, or Michael Anderson or, 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 or any others out there going to fight the case to win sovereignty. I want our people to be able to understand it, to be able to discuss it, to have input into it, not to, not to be able to allow it to be monopolised for resources so they can put it into their own pockets, like it's happened through ADSIC, through legal service. You know, you know, look, you look at it, you know, look, there's people in this room that have been on the receiving end of that, that sort of monopolising resources against black folks instead of trying to share it right for it. You know? Yep, anyway, and I'm going to keep going, thanks both for reminding me. You know, there's so many, there is so many questions on that level of being a community person who wants to have input into sovereignty. You know, like, like things like, you know, let's face it, uh, you got an immigration program going on in this country with no Aboriginal input, you know? What is, what is the charter of rights that we want for immigration to have when we, we are granted sovereignty, you know? To, to things like, you know, most of the businesses in this country are white. How do we, as the sovereign owners of this country, make that right? So that we say to, you know, even if we've got to say to a board, a company board, listen, this is our, our sovereign rights to this country. You've put black folks from our country on that board. You know, whatever, whatever. To, to 
simple things like, you know, workplace relations in a workplace. You know, I'd rather go and go and talk to a union about how we're going to how that applies to sovereignty, rather than go and talk to a bloody business how that's going to work for us. You know, and then and then when we look at look across, there's the thing. You know, like. Just about everyone here is speaking is all men, you know. I, I really, I, I feel sad for the women for not being able to get up and stay, say, or give them the opportunity to be able to say, you know, these are issues that we want put on the table, you know. And we really got to start looking at how do we bring in the women to be able to f- fulfil that role, you know, because... But, but anyway, Kanko, I will adhere to their 10 minute time and I'll, I'll keep me other questions for later on. So, so, Vo, thank you.